Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah, they have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously, and other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more, so many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts, and not just for the men, but for the women and the children, too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. Hey, Adam. This is Nick Ganbarian. And I'm Dano. I'm back again. (laughs) Thanks for bringing me on again. It's Dano. Glad to be here. Of the Dano Channel fame. Is your last name (laughs) O-Channel? Yes, it is. (laughs) It is. (laughs) First name Dan, middle name O, last name (laughs) hyphen channel. (laughs) <laughs> I'm actually very Irish of the yeah. the Ireland O channels. <laughs> Your name in uh, in my contacts is hard to type because I have a bunch of Dan's, and to get you straight up to the results, I have to put a hyphen in there, so I have to switch yeah. my keyboard. Extra keys, yeah, yeah. If I would have known that back in '97 when they gave me the nickname, I would have changed it. You should have had the foresight <laughs> well, or dropped the hyphen. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> also, I'm not the seasoning guy. For anyone who gets confused by that. There's a seasoning guy? There's a Dan-O's seasoning guy that uh, he's all over TikTok and everything. And I'm I'm only a little bit mad that he's taken the name and done it better than I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need to compete in the cooking space with dressing or something. Yeah. Like Star Wars. Galactic sauces. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I will say this is probably going to be the only episode ever where two-thirds of the podcasters are in Vegas because I'm in Vegas. I'm in a hotel room right now. Hey, yeah. Dano obviously lives in Vegas. Yep. I'm on a hockey road trip. I'm going to see the Rangers play on Wednesday. Are you in your favorite hotel? What's it called? Which one? I'm not. I'm in Resorts World, which doesn't matter because by the time this, uh, I could tell you I'm in room 278 because it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) because by the time this comes out, I will not be in room 278 anymore. I'll be back home. Just be ready for a surprise later tonight when you go (laughs) back to your room. (laughs) How close do you live to the strip, Dano? Uh, I'm about 10 minutes away. Like I could go up Flamingo or Tropicana and be there in about eight minutes, really. Like if I drove, I would be on the strip in about eight minutes. All right. So this might happen. <laughs> I could do it if I wanted. Yeah. Nick might get fondled. Uh, 
We are done with Andor. Let's talk about Star Wars. We're done with Andor. We're moving on. But we're moving back because amidst all the Andor and touring and shows and... Life being cool. Life's just cool, you know? Yeah, lots of stuff in the middle. We didn't get an opportunity to cover Tales of the Jedi, but we're doing it tonight. This came out the week we did Maj Vegas, so it was like even more of a busy time. Yep, that did it. But it's good because there was a lot to ingest. I have way too many notes because there's way too much good stuff, but... We're going we're gonna to talk about as much of it as we can, and we're going to have a good time. So let's get right into it with Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? Tales of the Jedi, the Disney Plus animated series, debuted October 26th, 2022. Disney Plus description is a six-episode event featuring parables built around Jedi from the prequel era. Journey into the lives of two distinctly different Jedi, Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku. Each will be put to the test as they make choices that will define their destinies. Interesting that they called him Count Dooku in this. Yeah. Does he have a first name? He's got to have a first name. Gary? George. 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 Something with a G. Old George Dooku. Yeah. George, Gary, Gary, George. Gary, George. George, Gary? I don't know. (laughs) One of those. All of them. Everyone just calls him Dooku. Is it maybe it's like a Dooku of Coruscant or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ochi of Bastoon. <laughs> or he's just like Cher. He was born Dooku. You know? Yoda. Yeah, that is interesting. I never really thought about that. Maybe it's because he got born out of his mom's butt. <laughs> is that what happens? That's why everybody calls me Dano and that's it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I'm a call him Dooku. <laughs> smells weird. <laughs> this was... The show was created by Dave Filoni. He was the writer and supervising director on all but, I think, one or two episodes. But this is very much of the mind of Dave Filoni. And the vibe and tone fits it. It's, it's obvious. These characters and these stories are his babies. The directors, the, uh, the two main directors were Nathaniel Villanueva and Saul Ruiz, both veteran directors of Star Wars animation, totaling dozens of episodes from The Clone Wars, The Bad Batch, Resistance, and Rebels. I was going to total these all up and drop a bunch of knowledge, but I forgot. It is many. Dozens. Lots. Many, many, many episodes. Charles Murray also directed. He was the producer of Luke Cage, Sons of Anarchy, Marvel's Inhumans, and the showrunner of Outer Range. But I didn't see much in the directorial category for him, but he crushed it. He did well. There's a big cast across these six episodes. The first prominent name that I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of gamers were stoked on was uh, Janina Gavankar uh, as Ahsoka's mother, Pat V. Uh, she was Aiden Versio from Battlefront, the main character of that. Corey Burton as Dooku and another character, an armed villager. He, of course, is the voice of Cad Bane and many others. Clancy Brown, who is a character actor who's been in a million things. We know him as the Inquisitor in this series and Ryder Azadi in Rebels, Savage in the Clone Wars, and many others. Also, um, his big roles in live action were Shawshank Redemption, Starship Troopers, a bunch of other things too. He's been around forever. And SpongeBob. He's mm. Mr. Graves. Oh, yeah. SpongeBob. <laughs> and he was actually in The Mandalorian. I know we mentioned that all the time. But yeah, he was a deep Ronin. That's right. That's yeah. right. Phil Lamar did the voice of Bail Organa. He was Bail in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And to me, most famously, he's Marvin from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes. Yes. His brain's all over the car. And the next name I'm going to butcher just because that's, that's what I do. I butcher names. Mikkel Richardson. Michael with a, a little thing over the A. He's Liam Neeson's son. Whoa. Yeah. 
did not know that. He plays uh, young Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn, so that, that's appropriate. Yeah. Works well. And then Liam Neeson himself, classic Neeson's, returns as the grown-up Qui-Gon Jinn. Vanessa Marshall, voice of Harrison Dula, is the village elder on Ahsoka's homeworld. Terrence T.C. Carlson voices Mace Windu. He returns as Mace Windu. Brian George is Kiati Mundi. He is a character actor from a million things. He was um, Dr. Bashir's dad on an episode of Star Trek DS9 and also an episode of Voyager for Star Trek fans. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's got one of those faces that you would know. He's kind of a that guy. Ian McDermott voices Darth Sidious and Palpatine, which was a wonderful treat. Bryce Dallas Howard absolutely slays, in my opinion, as Jedi Master Yaddle. Flo DeRay voices Jocasta Nu. She was also in Clone Wars and the Lego Star Wars video game. And the big heavy hitters returning, reprising their roles as Ahsoka Tano, Anakin Skywalker, Captain Rex and a Million Clones, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. We, of course, have Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lanter, Dee Bradley Baker, and James Arnold Taylor. They're like Star Wars staples in the voice acting community, right? Is there a show that doesn't have them? Yeah, right. All right. If it's animated, they're in there. Yeah. It was so... I remember when the trailer dropped, and the second I heard Ahsoka's voice, it just... It made me so happy. I was just like head to toe filled with warm fuzzies to hear Ashley's voice again. And the score, Kevin Kiner, of course, returned. Kevin Kiner being the one who, who's done all of the animation, right? Aside from maybe, did he do Resistance or not? I don't know. I'm sure he did, but I don't know. But all of Clone Wars, The Bad Batch, Rebels, our boy Kevin Kiner, mm-hmm. and his sons, who are his, I guess, assistant composers and arrangers, yeah. they're great. And this music, I man... Whatever they were on when they did the the season finale of Clone Wars, yeah. they were still on. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, there was definitely some moments in this where it was that like synthy tonal kind of yeah. stuff that I was just like, oh, the man. darkness. I should put that on when I'm trying to go to sleep. See what happens. See if you turn to the dark side in your sleep. <laughs> turn, <laughs> return. Yeah, there you go. Run times on these they're shorts, so they're 13 to 19 minutes. The opening one is 19, and just like everything else on Disney Plus, these are listed including the credits in terms of runtime. IMDb score on this is 8.3, which is great, but the Rotten Tomatoes score is 100%. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. With a 94% audience score. So I'm not like a a firm adherent to the Rotten Tomatoes system. I don't put much stock into it, but I'll take that win for our boy Dave. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I wonder how that compares to other shows, like, you know. Yeah. How that ranks among other Star Wars. I mean, that's got to be pretty high, right? I would assume season seven of Clone Wars is way up there. Last couple seasons of Rebels, probably the same thing. Yeah. What do you guys think overall? So I did not have the best expectations of this show. I missed the trailer when it came out during Celebration. I was busy or hungover or something. (laughs) And so I totally missed that whole trailer. And I had just been busy and kind of forgot about this show altogether. Um, But I've been doing these live streams every Tuesday night where we hang out and watch different Star Wars shows. And my audience was asking me, hey, are we going to do Tales of the Jedi? Which is kind of weird because it had overlap with Andor. So we're like, all right, we'll stay up extra late one night and just watch them. I had no expectations. I knew it was going to be stories about Jedi, Ahsoka, and Count Dooku. I heard about stuff, didn't really even watch a trailer. Uh, But I put it on and instantly was just like, wow, okay. We're, We're going for these little shorts. That first one with Ahsoka, it caught me. I was like, okay, well, let's maybe watch two more. And so I ended up staying up all night and watching all of them. Like I instantly got hooked. Oh, wow. I had no idea they were going to be this serious, this heavy. Yeah. And it just, it really caught me off guard. So going in with no expectations, I was really wowed by them overall. 
I would say I also had no expectations, but I enjoyed them. But I do think that, what am I trying to say here? I I appreciate the shorts and I hope that this is like a multi-season or multi-volume thing where they're, they kind of connect the dots and fill in blanks with shorts. But I don't know that there was anything like that juicy in here for me. It all seemed like stuff that kind of headcanon wise, I feel like I had figured out or knew. So there wasn't any like shocking revelations. It was just more like visually seeing what I kind of knew happened already, but I enjoyed them. I'm hoping that, I mean, with scores like this, hopefully the streaming numbers are good too. And, uh, they could fill in the blanks with, uh, Luke Skywalker, for instance, or Ben Solo, stuff like that. That's something I am legitimately uh, looking to the future of Star Wars animation to tell stories. Those those are the juicy bits that I want. For me, I had high expectations. I mean, mainly for the return of Ahsoka in animation, the return of Ashley and the potential for James Arnold Taylor coming back. It was more about hearing those familiar voices to me than anything. And I kind of had a similar experience as Nick where I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is stuff that fills in the blanks. It's pretty cool. I love to see everyone. I enjoy the visual style. Like, I really appreciated the quality of the renderings and the animation. It's a little more painterly. The backgrounds especially almost look like concept art. Yeah. So I was really, really kind of compelled by the visual elements. But it wasn't until the second watch that I realized how intricately it weaves and fills in the blanks of these stories, especially with Dooku. Because I expected to enjoy the Ahsoka stuff more. I loved it. But the Dooku stuff, I feel like was more essential in yeah, a way. Because his sure. turn and like the ambiguity of all the like the conversations in the prequels made it, you know, there, there's a lot of headcanon floating around about what could have happened. And this fills it in, I think, even just in these couple episodes, as well as some of the Clone Wars stuff does for Anakin. Just a short period of time, you know? Yeah, I do think, like, I, I wonder, I pose this question, not, not really uh, having an answer or needing an answer, but, like, I wonder if these stories needed to be told versus the idea of showing two familiar Jedi have choices and they both go in different paths. I wonder if that was, like, the genesis of the idea, more yeah. so than it was we need to tell Dooku's story and Ahsoka's story. Because it is basically Tales of the Jedi they're both confronted with a choice on what they think being a Jedi is, you know, and one goes one way, one goes the other way. So I feel like right. that's the... But they both leave. The, yeah. They both leave, which is like they the, do both leave. the interesting part there. Very good point. So yeah, I wonder, you know, like I said, I mean, that might be why I was like a little underwhelmed with what happened in there. Because I think that they were, and I'm glad they were short and it's just wasn't like a Bad Batch style, like 15 episodes of this, you know, I, I could handle kind of these low-key stories to me. I mean, they obviously have bigger implications with the galaxy, but I think they're shorts for a reason, you know? And and I yeah. do just think that the, the overarching idea of Jedi's kind of coming to terms with this era in the Jedi Council and what it means to be a Jedi and both going separate directions and leaving, like Dano just said, I think feel, I feel like that's the, the, the bigger, my biggest takeaway from it. I think you really hit the nail on the head there with... Thank you. <laughs> with, with uh, you know, the idea of it being... I, I think they're perfectly paired because of what you and Dana were saying about they both had a choice. They both had rocky rides through their, their life as Jedi, and they went different directions, both leaving, but one going a much darker path, obviously. 
What's interesting, though, which makes it an absolutely perfect pairing, in my opinion, is that the pattern of defiance and kind of straying from the path starts with Dooku, and Ahsoka is of that lineage because it's Dooku down to Qui-Gon with his issues, always defying the council and everything else. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan kind of inheriting some of that. He insists on training Anakin despite the council objecting, honoring Qui-Gon's wishes, and then Anakin is Anakin. And he passed all that shit down to Ahsoka. So it's it's one lineage. Yeah, that's great. Generational trauma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now this hits even closer to home. So I'm going to go yeah. cry for a little bit. <laughs> but the Dooku episodes specifically, like we kind of mentioned, are about his... We see in more detail how he became disillusioned with the Jedi Order and its politics. It's about his fall to the dark side. We see his personality kind of coming out on like on an emotional level. And then we see specifically how he, in, in just a one conversation, we, we get enough exposition about how and why Sidious did the same shit that he did to Anakin, to Dooku, same shit that any Sith Lord does to their apprentice in seducing them, promising them things. And then kind of, you know, the, the bait and switch that gets them to a point where it's too late. And he even says, he drops that line. It's too late for me. Just like we've heard from others. And then we see the final moment, which we'll talk about later. Ahsoka's episodes are more about life lessons and key moments, kind of explaining how and why she was capable of doing what she did as a person, whether it was making a choice or defending herself, having like the power and the skill to survive something like Order 66, going all the way back to her birth, understanding life and death and balance and the perspective that comes from that. So it's a broader story, but what we learn in it is as crucial for the character. We just, we happen to know more about Ahsoka. So I guess it, that's maybe why it doesn't feel as essential. Yeah. These are, these are a supplement. It's not a full meal of a show. It is like little snacks that kind of make star Wars better is the way yeah. like my takeaway from it. It's like, Oh no, this was little digestible morsels that just enhance the story and make things mean a little bit more. And so specifically practice makes perfect Ahsoka Getting to see that moment and just having to watch her be beaten down over and over, just getting blasted by these troopers, it it hit, like I said earlier, I didn't think it was going to be as heavy, but as we were watching it happen and just kind of like knowing Ahsoka's end you know, of that story, especially the way they ended that episode of her facing off against the clones, and that was it, like this is leading up to it. It hit hard. It hit, To me, I was like, oh, wow, this is... I, I definitely, like I said, heavy. Heavy was the word that I use during my streams when I'm watching. I was like, guys, this is a bit more intense than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was yeah. going to be goofy Star Wars. I didn't know we were going to be as serious. And yeah, they did such a good job with this. I kept saying the word beautiful, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned the art style. You really can see paint strokes. Like, painterly is the right For word. Because sure. there are legit, even when they get the close-ups of the Tegrudas in the first episode, right. there's a lot of paint strokes you can see in the faces. And it's just beautiful absolutely beautiful every single episode has beautiful moments maybe the one with dooku where he's in that weird resident evil 4 type village mm-hmm. um that one starts out not as beautiful but that's probably for good reason because they want you to see that this is what this corrupt senator has done right right has made this place not beautiful so it's a very drab looking like downtrodden village but otherwise i mean this show is gorgeous like everything about this thing was beautiful from physically the way it looked to the feels it gets you with in some yeah. of those hard-hitting moments. Dude, there was a shot, even the shots of Coruscant, there was one where they were approaching when they went from Anakin saying, this training's bullshit, let's go do some real training. You know, when they went from the Jedi Temple to the clone training facility, the big wide where you see, you know, you see it in the distance as you kind of push into it. 
I immediately took a screenshot and made it my, my wallpaper on my computer. <laughs> just that that's white great. of Coruscant. So even the gross city world of Coruscant, I was like, damn, that's beautiful. Yeah. I just feel like overall, yes, it's animation, but it was, you know, almost in line with, pretty much in line thematically with the ending of Clone Wars and its darkness and it's kind of adult themed and heavy, like Dano said. All right, let's take a break and then get into the kind of synopsis and breakdown episode by episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so this show feels chronological because we start with Ahsoka's birth. It is ish, but mainly um, episodes one and two, if you flip those, that I guess that would be truly chronological. Yeah, true. Yeah. So the math tells us episode one is 36 BBY when Ahsoka is born. I don't think it's ever been explicitly said when she was born, but if you do the math about how old she was in the Clone Wars film, you know, the, uh, the original theatrical release, it puts this in 36 BBY. Episode two is roughly, based on some math we did before we started recording, based on Qui-Gon's birth in 80 BBY and the assumption that he's 19 in this, and we picked 19 just because that's how old every new young character is in Star Wars. It's just, it was George's favorite age for some reason, and that's carried on all the way to the sequels. We're going to call this 61 BBY-ish, episode two, with young Qui-Gon. Episode three... With Count Dooku and Mace Windu, we're assuming this is before 24 BBY because that's when Raxus seceded and formed the Confederacy of Independent Systems, you know, the Separatists. It's hard to lock down a date, but this being all about Raxus, we know that they haven't seceded yet, but they're clearly leaning that way. Dooku talks to them about it, and Dooku is the one, like we'll talk about later, who actually conspires or, or works with them, convinces them to secede, and kind of begins the push towards the separatist movement. Episode four takes place directly during the Phantom Menace, which would put it at 32 BBY. Episode five with Ahsoka, she's training with the clones in their phase one armor. So that is most likely 22 BBY. And then that flashes forward to 18-ish BBY based on the fact that they have phase two armor and the way that her outfit is. And then flashes forward again to 19 BBY. Pretty solid on that because that takes place right there in the, in the Clone Wars finale. So we know that for sure. Like post-Order 66. Yeah, as it's all happening. And then the, um, the final episode, episode six takes place in sometime between, we're assuming 10 BBY and 5 BBY, based on the fact that Ahsoka joins Bail at the end of it, Bail Organa, and goes on to become Fulcrum. The novel Ahsoka, it established that as 18 BBY, that she joined Bail in the Rebellion. But some stuff in animation changed that. So um, the math is telling us between 10 and 5 here. Either way, that was a lot of information, long-winded. Wait a minute, that was after Padme's funeral? Yeah, you're right. So shouldn't that be 19? Well, it spans a lot of time then. So it's 19 then, and then it jumps ahead. Oh, it goes one more jump. Yeah, there's another jump. They're at the funeral, then there's another jump. Got it. Yeah, so there's a lot of jumping in the Ahsoka one. It, It spans a lot of time. All right, let's go back to the top here. Episode one, Life and Death, about Ahsoka's birth in 36 BBY, like we said. 
on her home world of Shili. This is all about life lessons. She's a year old. She goes out with her mother on a hunt. Her mother teaches her about death, makes her watch as she kills a, like a deer kind of animal and then makes her watch as she, I guess, slits its throat or does the final kill. There's very like Native American, indigenous tradition kind of vibes here. Great lessons about we never take more than we need, things like that. Yeah, like kind of like before bigger technologies, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, like kind of just being like thankful for, I don't know, you and I don't eat meat, but being thankful for like needing to kill an animal. Yeah. You know, when I'm watching like uh, Alone or Survivor or something and someone really doesn't want to kill an animal, but they, <laughs> have, to. they have to because they haven't eaten in 10 days. A lot of them get emotional, yeah. you know, and, and I think it's it's kind of showing gratitude for taking an animal's life so you could live longer. And that was kind of the, the vibe that I got. Circle of life. Yeah. There's, um, you know, the classic, there's always a bigger fish moment when the mother kills the animal and then this giant saber tooth tiger kind of animal shows up. Ahsoka ends up getting kidnapped. If an animal can kidnap someone, the, <laughs> the saber tooth tiger takes her off into the woods. She looks like she's going to be eaten. She ends up connecting with the animal, giving the animal like a little crocodile, Dundee Wusa, basically meets, um, <laughs> meets the baby Yoda finger touch kind of thing to connect with this animal through the force and then rides it back into the village and everyone's like, holy shit. And the elders like, yeah, holy shit. But Ahsoka is a Jedi. And there's the quote, mm. Jedi, Ahsoka is Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, it's her showing force sensitivity and connection to the force. Obviously to become a Jedi, you have to be trained, but like there, right. there's, there's force sensitivity here. But I think also there's a lesson that she just learned, which is like to not fear death, you know, like yeah. that her mother just told her. So not that a one-year-old could really understand that, but I think that's what they were going for there is to she Ahsoka because she's a baby really didn't know that she was in trouble but I guess there wasn't fear taught there so she wasn't scared of right. death because she actually probably didn't know that she was in trouble <laughs> right and there's a beautiful parallel to the Grogu story you know the connection with other beings and the ability to use the force even before you're trained mm -hmm. there's, there's just like the innate kind of instinctual level to having a, a high midichlorian count I guess you know and so one of the things I liked about that was the fact that the village was so surprised. Her, yeah. the elders, like her family, she wasn't of force sensitive, like her parents weren't force sensitive. It's not a blood thing. So we're going back to the, you know, Ray from nowhere kind of thing of a random person can be force sensitive or just show up one day with these powers, be born with it. So I really liked that they brought that concept back after starting it. And then with Rise of Skywalker going back and saying, no, Rise of Palpatine to see yeah. that Ahsoka came from nothing as far as the force goes and it just manifested in her from such a young age was a, it was a nice touch and it was cool there going back to that idea episode two we shift to qui-gon so we, we kind of pause ahsoka's arc and jump into dooku's arc which is these three episodes in between close ahsoka later like we said 61 bby roughly based on qui-gon's birth and how old he looks here with dooku so it's count dooku and padawan qui-gon on a mission they're rescuing the son of a senator who's been kidnapped. It turns out to be not what they expected. You know, it's one of many stories where the kind of the local politicians, the, the rich and powerful in a system are doing the typical rich and powerful bullshit and they don't care about the little people. And these little people have kidnapped the senator's son and the senator in this experience comes to realize what's going on. Qui-Gon and Dooku realize what's going on as well. So when the senator shows up to kind of confront them, they're like, no, nah, bro, 
you're the piece of shit in this situation. And there's a standoff and, um, there's some great dialogue that harkens back to some other stuff that we'll talk about in the den. And you, you see Qui-Gon and Dooku kind of balancing each other. Dooku getting emotional and wanting to just solve the situation with his lightsaber. Qui-Gon bringing out the sun and being more diplomatic. It's pretty awesome. So I, I really, this is the episode I was talking about where I said it has Resident Evil 4 vibes, the weird village. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were some cool things in that opening we got to see some new droids, some like load lifter droids. Yeah. Dogs are again canon. I think there's been another example of dogs being canon. Yeah. But specifically like more Earth-like dogs. So if you mentioned earlier something about wanting to do how Earth is part of Star Wars. Like a mid-sized terrier kind of like. Yeah, old, like yeah. dogs are canon. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But there were some, like you're saying, there's some really heavy and good moments in this. This is the first time we see Dooku really use that dark side. I think this is the first time he used it. And that's why this episode was given to us. Was so that the we could choke, see right? the force choke. He started force choking that senator, and in his rage, threw Qui Gon mm-hmm. while he's force choking him. He knocked Qui Gon against that door or the wall or whatever. Like he was so focused in his hatred of this corrupt senator that he threw his padawan across the way yeah. and put him in and hurt him. So it was it was a very intense moment to see this Jedi master at this point because he has his own padawan this master really, really lose it. He started to lose himself. And one of the, I'm trying to think, one of the things he says here, oh, I don't know if I wrote it down, but it's it's just his conversation with that senator and that whole showdown with all of them, the whole village was really, really, it was just intense. It was intense. And it was nice to see that the village also had multiple species and wasn't just human. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the things I wrote on there's like, oh, this is interesting. There's all manner of people yeah. in this little village. Whereas the senator shows up with his army and it's all humans. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. I forgot what the senator says specifically, but I think it's the quote you're getting at. Dooku responds, we serve the people of this republic. I think he says something like, he's basically telling him like, no, you can't, you're supposed to be protecting me. You're supposed to be working in my interest. It's my son who's kidnapped or whatever. Yeah. And he said, no, we don't serve the republic. We serve the people of the republic. And he follows it up with corruption like yours must be eradicated right yeah. as he's choking him. Yeah. And so he recognizes that corruption, but he's like, it by any means necessary, which is not really a Jedi thing that we've seen them do so far. Yeah. And so he's, like you're saying, he's just ready to, it was very intense. That's like, instead of uh, the seeds of the rebellion, that's the seeds of separatist right there. That's yeah. All. yeah. Yeah. Apparently there's a moment in the Dooku novel, a canon novel that's only a few years old. He's with Sifo-Dyas somewhere and he uses force lightning it just happens in a, in, in a moment, you know? It's the moment of rage it comes out. Yeah, like long before any of this real turn starts to happen. So it's interesting. And so that's cool that we got to see Ahsoka's first moment using the Force. And then the next episode, we get to see Dooku's first moment using the dark side powers. Hmm. And so yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it's a neat little juxtaposition they gave us, or I guess similarity they're kind of showing between the two. Episode three choices, again, is Dooku. This is on Raxus, which, like we talked about before, is the planet that ends up being the capital of the Confederacy of Independent Systems, or the the Separatists. It's Count Dooku and Mace Windu going there to investigate the death of a Jedi Master Khatri, who is, uh, what's the species that Luminara is? And they have uh, the kind of... Barasafi. Barasafi, yeah. They have kind of the, the face markings. Yeah, how am I blanking on that? Point being, Master Khatri has been killed, and... They get there to investigate, and they realize pretty quickly she wasn't murdered by 
you know, just some thugs or some robbers or something. The people who called her in, the senator and the government officials there, were calling in the Jedi to kind of like, as part of a cover-up, because they were the ones that killed her. This is the very beginning of the movement, away from the Republic, before they secede. And there's another conversation between the senator and one of his um, officers, or what would you call him, one of his guards, and Dooku. And at first, they're there at the scene of the crime, right? And they're like, this doesn't look right, you know? And then it's it's kind of a classic, like, you know, episode of, I don't know, Columbo or some shit, where, like, the, <laughs> the guilty party bursts out with, like, the court case in Legally Blonde, where, what's her name, says that she did it because the daughter was her age, and it's disgusting. Um, you know, he, he kind of spills the beans, and he's like, you know, this corrupt republic and all of this stuff. And then when Dooku goes to talk to him when they have him in a cell— they actually connect. And he's like, a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I relate to it. And this is the beginning of the relationship with the people of Raxus that eventually beyond this turns into what we talked about earlier with him helping them secede. The Senator calls the Jedi puppets of the Senate. The guard says Jedi claim peace, but mostly keep law and order for the rich. It's harsh. It's real harsh. Yeah. That's, that's real. Back to the earth. Kind of stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that was a little too real, too. It's illegal yeah. to be poor. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then Dooku has a conversation with Mace Windu at the end, and he asks him. He says, "Do you think the Jedi will truly keep peace if they continue to take everything the Senate says as law?" And Mace Windu, being a very by the book, the Jedi's way or the highway kind of dude, is like, "Yeah, man, that's." That's how this works. Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, like the first conversation in the ship, you can see that that conflict between them. Oh, yeah. Dooku even tells Mace Windu, he's like, my friend, your devotion to rules is sometimes inspiring and sometimes maddening. Yeah. He calls yeah. him out right in the very beginning. Like, no, I love it. But ugh, can we maybe not be so by the book? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't like laws and whatever religion any of this stuff it's like there has to if there's not a if there's an absence of morality that's when you have to you know kind of isn't there quite a great qui-gon quote that has to do with that damn i, forget uh, I think what he it says is. obi-wan listen to me carefully the council yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's definitely a quote from qui-gon i don't i think it's from a book it's not from oh. it's obviously not from phantom menace as you say i have a certain set of skills <laughs> whenever you gamble my friend you eventually you lose <laughs> <laughs> i just think that you know laws and religion whatever it is if there's not a sense that that morality comes first then i mean that's basically what they're talking here you know if, like right, the right. jedi are just yeah. following laws and not thinking about the morality behind the laws then really what are we doing here yeah well episode four is where it really gets heavy with that Episode four is the Sith Lord. This is, like we said, right in the middle of the Phantom Menace because we have Qui-Gon alive and speaking to Dooku on Coruscant when he returns from their scuffle on Tatooine with Darth Maul. And then it goes all the way through to after Qui-Gon's death, talking about going to the funeral on Naboo. So it features Jedi Master Yaddle, who until this, maybe there was some legend stuff, but... She basically just disappeared. She just wasn't around after the Phantom Menace, and we didn't have any explanation, but this, this gives us everything we need to know. This is about Dooku's complete turn to the dark side. We see Dooku accessing the archives to erase the Kamino file from the archives. He uses Sifo-Dyas's code. 
He talks to Jocasta New in the temple. There's all this buzz about Qui-Gon um, encountering a Sith. Uh, Dooku talks to Qui-Gon when he comes back there, and he says, I, I've been warning them about the coming darkness for years, never to be taken seriously. You know, so he's still, it's like, it's, it's all piling up, you know, everything that we've seen in the, the past couple episodes. There's a moment that Nick, you put in, in, in the notes here where Dooku and Yaddle are having a conversation in the halls of the Jedi temple. And when Yaddle's done speaking, Yaddle walks away. She walks into the light and Dooku walks towards the dark. It's a little bit of symbolism. And then there's a conversation outside at the, the tree, the big, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but there's a, there's a big tree kind of like the one on Octo at the Jedi temple on Coruscant. And Yaddle talks about Qui-Gon loving the tree because he was born on Coruscant and he had, you know, he'd grown up around nothing but concrete and steel and all this stuff. So he would, he was really drawn to the tree and they had this great conversation. Great. It's heavy. It's a, it's a dark ass conversation, but Dooku says he's not going to be there. And Yaddle's like, she says, you hold them accountable. You know, she like senses in the moment. Why? And then when Dooku leaves, Yaddle follows him. Dooku's going to meet with Sidious and I'm guessing on the way, Yaddle's just, you know, racking her brain. She's, she's just going over everything because once she meets him there and she sees everything, she sees the conversation, she hears everything. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Conversation with Sidious, again, voiced by Ian McDermott. Amazing. Dooku is, I mean, it has such like Anakin Insidious vibes where he's in that what have I done kind of moment, you know? Yeah. He's like, he, he says, you've gone too far. Qui-Gon's dead. You, you allowed Maul to kill him. And Sidious tries to flip it and says, you lost an apprentice, so did I. All in the service of greater goals. Kind of like the, uh, you know, when, um, when Anakin kills Dooku and he's like, he took your hand, you took his head. It's the way it goes, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they kind of, they go back and forth and it's, it's that exact same, like, I've given everything. I've done everything for you. I've done everything that you've asked. Sifo-Dyas, Camino, the clones, I betrayed everything and everyone I know. He's questioning, he's doubting. How many have died because of my actions? And Sidious says, such is the price of freedom. And that's when Yaddle steps in. And it gets even heavier. I mean, it's like, it, it becomes this three-way exchange where Yaddle and Dooku are going back and forth. And Sidious is kind of on his shoulder, like, you know, the devil on his shoulder. And he, he has to follow through, basically. It's, the, it's too late for me now kind of thing. And it has, it has notes of, of Vader. It has notes of Kylo Ren, Anakin all of it. It's that, you know, moment on the bridge kind of thing. And he ends up fighting Yaddle. And it's so cool because everything about it is like, it's just hearkening to everything, including the fight itself, where this prepares him for his fight with Yoda yeah, in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a similar style yeah, and all of this. And then ultimately he ends up killing Yaddle at first. I mean, if you're listening to this, you've seen it, so I'll just spoil it. But there's this giant <laughs> door, right? And he brings down this door on her because she's kind of standing up on the ledge of it and it really looks like it smashes her. But then when the dust kind of settles for a moment, she lifts it and then the force theme comes in. It is like, dude, goosebumps. Holy shit. It's so good. But then she falls and she's just like barely alive and they have this final exchange and then he kills her Mm. and God damn, is it heavy? Yeah. I I took to Twitter immediately and said, something not nice about Dooku because that was <laughs> that was rough I wonder I, I I wonder if a comic book or novel or I know there's there's an audio novel is it called Jedi Lost which is covers a lot of Dooku yeah um, that sounds right yeah. 
I wonder if there's any way, it's probably would be in a comic book, like where uh, if you're turning to the dark side, you have to kill a Jedi and like take their crystal and bleed it. Like, I wonder if yeah. somehow, yeah, if he killed Yaddle and bled her crystal. Yeah. But that was, that was rough. That was rough. Like I didn't, I didn't like that at all. I didn't, I did not yeah. like, like I thought it was going to be like a Disney death, like crushed in the door. We didn't see it, but then she has that heroic moment and then he kills her like far away, but on screen. And I was like, what? Yeah. That was, that got the most emotion out of me out of the, these, the six of these shorts. So Adam, what you were saying about this gives you, you know, Kylo Ren vibes, Anakin vibes. When I was watching this the first time, that quote of George Lucas explaining the prequels mm-hmm. where he was like, it, it rhymes. It's like poetry. So seeing that connect in that way, it really made me feel like this was real Star Wars. Not that any of it's not, but it definitely gave me that old school George vibe, just having that rhyming pattern come back and I don't know. It it just left me left me feeling in a good way about this show. And this is about the halfway point in the show, a show that I wasn't sure of to begin with. I thought it was just going to be another silly cartoon. And I love the cartoons, but I thought it was going to be more Clone Warsy. And I don't super love Clone Wars. I like it, but I never got into it like I did other properties. And so having these heavier moments like this, seeing Yaddle's death, getting the the him deleting Camino from the archives. These little moments, it really just like, okay, this is all tied together really well. And then I, that's the halfway point. So then I have so much more to look forward to for the rest of these episodes. Dude, and even Sidious saying, rise, my friend, <laughs> yeah. to Dooku, you know? Full episode three vibes. Sick. All right, well, moving on to episode five of this series. We're back to Ahsoka. Practice makes perfect. This starts in 22 BBY-ish, like we talked about with the phase one armor, the clone troopers indicating that. This whole thing sets up, supports, justifies, this is my interpretation, why Ahsoka was able to defeat so many clones, escape Order 66, survive for so long. We get lots of indication throughout the series, and we can headcanon our way through everything, given the fact that she was the most powerful Jedi of all times, apprentice and so on. But this really gives us like real-world training, on-the-ground justification for why she was so badass, because it starts with... Ahsoka in training with, uh, you know, training remote style stuff is like a typical Jedi trial, I guess, or, or Jedi test. And they have these new training remotes designed to simulate battle droids. Ahsoka takes them out fast. It has like a, a very um, battle royale style, um, like... Oh, yeah, like the force field keeps getting smaller, right? Yeah. It keeps getting smaller, yeah. yeah. Like it's... Um, Fortnite. You know, PUBG style. <laughs> yeah. And she just like takes them out without any issues. And Anakin pulls her aside and he's like, you know, this is a bullshit test, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, what are you talking about? This is the one that everyone does. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just like, it's not like real battle. He's like, you want that real test? I got that real test for you right here. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So he takes her to the clone training facility. Same facility, we assume, where um, we had, you know, lots of fan favorite clone episodes. It's got that American Gladiator style kind of arena in it. Mm. It's that place. So he takes what I assume is the 501st early days. Jesse's part of it, but they're in you know, phase one armor. It's Rex and the boys. Mm-hmm. They set the phasers to phasers. <laughs> they set the blasters to stun. Wrong property. And she's there with one lightsaber. This is interesting. We'll talk about this in a minute. And the idea is just he says go, and she has to wait and see who's going to sh- who shoots first and just start blocking. They get like five shots in. They take her out. She's unconscious for an hour. She comes back, and Anakin's like again. Do it again, and they just keep running it, and she just keeps getting, she keeps going out quicker and quicker, and finally she's like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like, this is insane. What are we doing? And, and there's a great quote, which I'll put in right here, 
which is quintessential master to Padawan, big brother, little sister kind of vibes. It's beautiful. Look, I know this is tough, but I want it to be difficult. This is about life and death. And as your master, I'm responsible for you. The best way I can protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. If you can hold off Rex and the boys, you'll be ready for anything on the battlefield. And that right there, I mean, he says it. He Filoni puts it right in our face. Like, this is why. Yes, she's super talented. She's incredibly powerful. But it's because of Anakin's training. And it's because of all this real-world knowledge and insight that he imbues her with that makes her, you know, a worthy adversary to him even later in Rebels. It's because of his training. Yeah, like unknowingly, he saves her. Like, in this moment, he saves her at the end of her, yeah. you know, journey that we see at the end of the episode. And I had this, I don't know about you, like, when you watch it the first time, but right around this quote is when the light bulb goes off. Because I, I wasn't really, like, thinking, oh, okay, because we watch her get beaten a couple rounds by the clones. And it gets kind of hard to watch because it's getting brutal. And you can tell she's getting more and more tired. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what are they doing? This is getting kind of dark. But initially, I, it didn't click for me that, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, reminiscent of her final stand against the clones. When Order 66 happens, it didn't click until this quote that you just gave out. And then it was that light bulb moment of, like, oh, that's what's going on here. And so, again, this is one of those heavy moments. It's like, wow. So yeah. he actually ends up through this messed up training he's doing, ends up saving her and really does prepare her for all of it. And yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's why she's so obsessed with like wanting to save him. Yeah. God, it's so sad. I love it, but it's so sad. Also, do you wonder? I was thinking this. I had a, a bit of a light bulb moment. She starts with one saber, and it's when she really settles in to get ready, she flips it around. Mm-hmm. reverse grip mm-hmm. and then when we flash forward to whatever date we figured out it was uh, when they're in phase two armor she's got dual sabers yeah mm-hmm. is it from this training that she's like screw this i need another one yeah why not yeah Could possibly be. because we'll talk about we're going to do the the count the hit count in the den but she's taking double shots from multiple angles and blocking with standard and reverse grip flipping doing the whole thing so maybe it was this this training that switched her, you know, she, she got a feel for like her lightsaber style, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know if, do we know anything about her, um, her form? Like, does she adhere to a specific Jedi lightsaber form? I'm sure it's out there, but I don't know it offhand. Hmm. Uh, form four, Ataru. Oh, that's what Qui-Gon is too. Hmm. But it's a modified form, I guess, right? For dual sabers. Yeah. For dual. Yeah. Hmm. One thing I thought was awesome, it's it's kind of poetic that Rex himself is the one to knock her out the very last time. You know, when they're, they're flashing forward, it's all the way to, you know, almost episode three time. And she wakes up and Rex is like, it took us five minutes to take you out that time. They run it again. And she she blocks a few dozen hits, right? And then finally Rex, you know, double blasters, takes her out. It's just kind of poetic that he's the one then on her side in the Order 66 moment. You know, like he's the one that to like, he's the last one in the training. And then he's the first one to take her side when it's real, when it's real life, you know? Yeah. And then the episode ends, like we keep saying, flashing forward to season seven, the finale, Order 66, when they, they do their little plan where he's going to walk out and try to convince everyone that they're not supposed to kill her because she's not even a real Jedi anymore. She's a citizen, right? And he's like, I hope all that training pays off as she walks out with her hands behind her head. And it just opens the doors and you see the full, the, the 332nd out there, the tears fall. 
Mm. The credits roll. Jesus. Like what a what a beautiful send off on that episode. And that's the yeah. I would say that's not the last it ends with her. But as I say, this is the last we see of her in this show, but it's not. The last episode is her too. But it's just that's it as a Jedi. Like that's that's her. She's no longer part of it. Yeah. At this point. So just like we saw Qui-Gon leave the order, this is her moment. Yeah. We get to see basically her real true final moment of leaving. That poetry, yeah. man. That poetry. <laughs> episode six resolve. Final episode of the series of shorts. Like we said, it's somewhere between 10 and 5 BBY. We don't know. But we do have a moment that is exactly at 19 BBY because she is at Padme's funeral on Naboo. She's kind of hiding in the shadows. Bale confronts her, says, what the f*** are you doing here, basically? And she says, talking about things, heart-wrenching moments. She says, she was my friend. Mm -hmm. That's brutal. Um, Bale offers a calm to her. Like, hey, give me a call if you need anything, basically. And she she tries to refuse it. She says, I, I'm done fighting. I'm tired. But right in the middle of this, the clones show up. They're in their Order 66 brainwash thing. Like, oh, you're not allowed to be out here kind of thing. So Ahsoka jumps up. She hides. And Bale is talking to the clones, but he's doing that awesome double speak kind of coded language like we always talk about that we love so much and says something like, um, all right, well, thanks, officers. If you ever need me, just ask. You know, and he's <laughs> clearly talking to Ahsoka. And she, um, she bails. She goes to meet Rex down at his Y-Wing, the same one that they escaped in at the end of season seven. And then it flashes forward. Ahsoka's back in her citizen clothes, just like she was when she was with the, um, with the sisters at the beginning of season seven. She's working like a farming job. She's on some planet in the Outer Rim. She's going by the name Ashla, which we'll talk about later. She ends up having to use the Force to save one of these, these two siblings, and they both see it happen. They both recognize it. Turns out one is like, wow, it's you. You're a Jedi, basically. And the other is an Imperial sympathizer. There's this kind of conversation around lunch about well, the Empire gave us this and the Emperor did this and this. And it's, I mean, you know, it's Thanksgiving dinner for everyone, you know, with their uh, conservative uncle, basically. <laughs> and this dude is on to her and he's, he's given her the side eye. He's given her the look. And when Ahsoka and the, the sister go to town basically to sell their bales of hay or whatever the hell it is. He kind of, he gives her that sarcastic, like, may the force be with you kind of thing. And we know that everything's going to be f when they return. It's dark. It's nighttime. The village is burning. There's an inquisitor there who I don't know if, I, I don't know if this inquisitor is identified yet because all the first 10 are accounted for. Yeah, I couldn't find it. Do you guys know? No, I, I looked and I could not find it. Couldn't find anything at all. Yeah. But he looks badass. He's got like a, almost like a, a plague bird mask kind of thing. Looks so sick. Anyway, the brother called her in, basically, called the Empire, said, hey, there's a Jedi here. The Inquisitor showed up, and instead of helping them, burns the whole village down looking for her. And when she finally shows up, he's like, hey, there she is. That's her. And he's like, cool. Well, as your reward, I'm going to kill you, and goes to murder him. Ahsoka pushes away the lightsaber with the Force, saves the brother, despite the fact that he called her in. And in that moment, he realizes, oh my God, I, I f***ed up. And there's a sh very short but beautiful samurai-style duel between the Inquisitor and Ahsoka. It's like three hits. It's one of those things. She doesn't have a lightsaber. You know, she, she has nothing. So he comes at her with the double blade thing. It's like block, block, grab the saber, flip it around, swing, takes off his head, and it's over. Bushido-style, like bam, 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 it's done. But it's beautiful, you know, much like the, uh, the Maul and Obi-Wan final duel. Yeah, there, there was a lot of like interesting stuff here, but I did want to come in real quick and let you know there's a rumor that that Inquisitor might be the sixth brother. 
So I guess in the novel, there's a story of the sixth brother and he ends up dying by his own lightsaber because Ahsoka cracks the hilt and causes an explosion that kills him. Mm. And so Filoni was saying it's a, he was implying in an interview, I guess, with Nerdist that he said it's based on the same outline he gave for the novel. But this is still he still dies by his own lightsaber. But this time Ahsoka's using it to kill him. So it's not confirmed that he's the sixth brother, but it's heavy speculation that that's who he is. The most interesting, cool and confusing thing about it to me was when his head hits the ground, it deflates. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. It's almost like the uh, what are those things called in the Lord of the Rings? The rates? I don't know. Dragons. The ring rates <laughs> or whatever. Something like that. Yeah, it's weird. It like not just like um, cloth falling when someone disappears. It deflates. It's really, really weird. Yeah, I don't remember. There's nothing else like that in Star Wars. Doesn't he have a droidish quality to his body too? He gave me grievous vibes for sure. Yeah. So like maybe the head is I don't know. I mean it kills him, so there's something to it, but it's interesting. Yeah. But at the end of it, the villager, the the brother it's a classic, like, what have I done thing? I'm so sorry. He <laughs> kind of, like, begs for forgiveness in a way. But what's great is Ahsoka responds with, when he says, I'm so sorry, she says, I know. Yeah. Classic. So this gave me, um, especially that brother, gave me Tim from Andor vibes, right? Mm. Similar mm-hmm. thing happened with him yeah. where he, you know, we have Bix and her boyfriend Tim, and he kind of outs Andor and ultimately pays a similar price. I mean, this kid didn't die, but it's a very same thing we just saw. So it was it was interesting to see that whole thing come back again. I really liked that. It's like, oh, they keep giving us the same theme. Yeah. Every time someone who's an empire or whatever sympathizer ends up getting burned eventually. Yeah, maybe the citizens of the galaxy should watch Star Wars and they'd know not to f*** the empire. <laughs> and then the, the final scene is Bale showing up in the Tantive Four to basically take these two. The, the siblings are the only, the only survivors of the village. He takes them as essentially as refugees, and he says to Ahsoka, things have only gotten worse. Are you sure you're ready to get back in the fight? And she just nods, yes. And that's the close. A little smirk. Yep. It's great. Hey, Adam, can you believe that it's the holiday season already? <sighs> Unfortunately, I have to believe it because it's happening way too fast, and I've done almost zero Christmas shopping. I'm way behind. Well, spoiler alert to everyone in my life. You're all getting clothing from Roosevelt's as holiday gifts this year. (laughs) It's a great idea because Roosevelt's not only has all the Star Wars shirts, shorts, and everything else that we wear, but they also have tons of designs from other pop culture franchises for other people that aren't the same kind of nerd that we are. (laughs) Yeah, they actually just launched a line of National Lampoon's Christmas vacation button-downs and t-shirts if you need something to wear for your holiday party. And they also have other designs from franchises like Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, WWE, The Office, Rick and Morty, Friends, and old-school movies like The Big Lebowski, Jaws, Goonies, and you're going to love this one, Top Gun. Well, if you feel the need for speed, as I do, you can go to rsvlts.com. That's Roosevelt's with no vowels. And use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. That's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Let's do the Den of Antiquities. Thousand generations. It is the dark saber. Oh, gosh. It's a calicory. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Hey, Nick. Hey. Quick little uh, side note. So 
I uh, I was up in LA for LA Comic Con all weekend with the uh, Roosevelt's crew, and in the hotel, TNT had Star Wars on all weekend, like twenty four hours a day, and I just obviously had it on twenty four hours a day. So anytime I was in the hotel, I heard so many of our like Star Wars drops. <laughs> yes, Dude, uh, it was pretty awesome. I watched that as I fell asleep at eight oh one p.m. after my show the other day <laughs> yeah. on TNT. Yeah. All right, so starting with episode one of The Tales of Jedi, I thought this was a good parallel. Baby Ahsoka, right at the end of that episode, she gets sleepy-weepy after using the Force, <laughs> just like Grogu does. Uh, very adorable. It takes a lot out of a baby to use the Force, you know? I bet they poop their pants, too. <laughs> episode two, we see the ever-familiar, uh, you know, like beer taps behind the bar in the cantina. Uh, they're IG heads. Uh, also in episode two, the big droid guarding the prisoners in the barn is a binary load lifter, just like the droids that 3PO mentioned to Uncle Owen in A New Hope. Uh, we mentioned it a little earlier. This is still in episode two, but Qui-Gon Jinn's Form 4, uh, his ever familiar Form 4, if you could like close your eyes and picture how he stands during the Duel of the Fates, kind of that baseball stance he takes that fighting stance right when uh him and dooku are about to uh get blasted in that resident evil 4 village that dano mentioned <laughs> form 4 is also known as ataru which i think we mentioned earlier i also got major transylvania vibes from that village by the way oh yeah for sure also in episode two, when Dooku thanks Qui-Gon for defusing the situation, Qui-Gon says, just thinking in the moment, Master, which is an allusion to his later advice to Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi in the opening of The Phantom Menace, but not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. And one last thing from episode two, the quote, you are a much wiser man than I, Qui-Gon Jinn, is the same pretty much parallel line passed down to Obi-Wan and then passed down to Anakin. Moving on to episode four, Dooku talking about Obi-Wan to Qui-Gon says, I should like to meet him someday. You're always singing his praises. And that's referencing Attack of the Clones line when Obi-Wan is held captive on Geonosis. He says something like, uh, Qui-Gon spoke so highly of you. Yeah, very interesting. I like that. And episode five, during Ahsoka's training with the remotes in the Jedi Temple, we see Terra Sanuba, we see Caleb Doom, uh, and his master, Depa Balaba. Real quickly, real quick, like legitimate Easter egg, I feel like. But it's dope that Caleb, you know, young Kanan Jarrus is watching her like, whoa. He's yeah. just like so impressed. Mm -hmm. And then they meet so much later. It's so beautiful. Yeah. While Ahsoka is uh, training in episode five, there's nine or 10, depending on how you interpret the edit uh, and the number of times Anakin says again, there's nine or 10 falls. So basically it, it fades to black nine or 10 times. And the number of shots per round is six, five, three or four, two, and one. As she really starts beating her down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Starts to get foggy. Then three, then 14? Possibly. It was hard to count. I was watching, hmm. watching this in slow motion. I won't say how I acquired the ability to watch this in slow motion, but I did. <laughs> I, th I think I counted 14 on that round. And then fast forward, and they're now on a ship, and it seems like there's 49 stun blasts. Ish. It's the one that I, was, that I was talking about when Rex finishes it with the double blast. Everything comes so fast. 49 or 50. It's a lot. Good stats. She put up some numbers. Yeah. Does that sound sports enough? What do you guys say? Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly sports ball. Yeah. 
There are a few scenes in episode four and five in the Jedi Temple where we see pretty much for the first time on screen these species as Jedi. So first scene, uh, Rodian and Arcona, which has that kind of V-shaped head species that we see in Mos Eisley Cantina, an Aqualish, which you would know as a Ponda Baba, a Doros, which is that blue skin, like Cad Bane sort of uh, species. And then those should all be first seen as Jedi and then rarely seen Twi'lek, of course, and a Nikto, which I think is, uh, I can't think of any really, but. There's one listed in Attack of the Clones and there was a toy made, but from everything I saw, that character wasn't on screen. So mm-hmm. there's one in Resistance. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. He's one of the main characters. He's kind of a goofball, but. But I feel like they made it a point almost to show Jedi of all different species. Cause when you, mm-hmm. yeah. when they're in the temple having the conversation and they're walking back and forth and then they're in the archives, it's like 10% humans, if that, and all the rest are other species. It's pretty tight. And in the last episode six, Ahsoka referred to herself as Ashla, which I believe we've said on the show before. It uh, was her name during the Clone War series development before she was actually named Ahsoka. Uh, George and Dave referred to her as Ashla. And then they brought Ashla back in Rebels, right? So Ashla and Bogan represent the light and dark sides of the Force. Yeah, that was the... With Bindu. Yeah. The Bindu, yeah. yeah. Tight. And finally, also in episode six, this is a real quick one and pretty cool. And one of those things that actually we saw it in Rebels, but canonically, this is the first time we would see it. Uh, Ahsoka disarms and defeats the Inquisitor in episode six in the same way she defeats the seventh sister in season two of Rebels. She basically just deignites their lightsabers while it's still in their hands. The big difference here is that she does not kill the seventh sister in Rebels, but she does kill this Inquisitor in episode six. I love the play with, I mean, this could be like, this is a slippery slope, but I'm glad they, they toy with it here and there. The idea of igniting or, or disengaging a lightsaber and doing fun stuff with that, like the last Jedi throne room fight, you know, tossing the saber, igniting it into the one guard's eye, you know, dropping it, catching it, that kind of, I love that stuff. Cause you know, you think about it, you can use the force. I'd be turning that shit off and on all the time, <laughs> doing all kinds of weird stuff. All right, we're way over. Let's uh, let's get this moving. I love you. I know. Favorite episodes. We're just going to do favorite episodes. We could do quotes. We could do all that stuff. But let's do our favorite episodes, each of us, and then we'll hear from the patrons because we pulled them to get their favorite episodes. Dano, you go first. What was your favorite episode? All right, I don't generally pick favorites, but the one that stood out the most, the one that I think hit me the hardest, was Practice Makes Perfect. Just seeing that whole Ahsoka thing come full circle, yeah. I really had that that light bulb moment hit me hard, and I just remember like jaw dropping, being like, "Oh, okay, this is mm-hmm. this is a heavy show. I like it." Nick, how about you? Uh, I'll go with uh, the death of Yaddle, Episode Four. I think oh. we see you know Sidious and uh, Dooku and whatever's going on there, and kind of the commitment. The, the crossing of the line in the sand of uh, Dooku. Seems like a, a, a maybe up until that point, if there's a parallel here, Dooku was to Sidious then, what like kind of Anakin is in Revenge of the Sith, where they're like buddies and manipulation is happening, but it's not quite a master and apprentice situation quite yet. But maybe from that point on, it is master and apprentice. I'm with you, Nick. Episode four, The Sith Lord. As much as I love Ahsoka, she's my favorite character. And 
I, I loved Practice Makes Perfect. I, I loved Resolve, you know, the, the finale episode. It really tugs at the heartstrings anytime I see Ahsoka because her journey, her, her arc is so tragic and she's such a great character and getting to know Ashley, it just like, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm a sucker for that, like the tragedy of the turn to the dark side and filling in the blanks of Dooku and really justifying his turn and understanding it more deeply, seeing Palpatine play the same cards on someone else, finding out what happened to Yaddle and Bryce Dallas Howard's brilliant voicing of her really just, it just, it lit up for me. I, I loved that episode. And I think it was also such a surprise. I didn't, I had no idea we were going to see something like that. So that lower, no expectation met with, you know, an over delivering kind of thing really worked for me. So episode four, the Sith Lord is my favorite. Nick, what about the patrons? Let's hear some of their comments and then we'll, we'll reveal the stats on which episode won the poll. Dano, do you have any predictions for um, what the, uh, what the patrons voted on? I'm going to guess practice makes perfect. Okay. I have a feeling that's the Ahsoka heavy. Yeah. I'm going to say one of some of us are right. I'm going to say that (laughs) I'm going to say either Adam and I are right or Dano is right. (laughs) All right. The comments from the patrons and thank you for leaving the comments. Uh, Kaylee says in choices, Dooku gives me Thrawn vibes with his deductive reasoning and how he doesn't take things at face value. It also shows his distrust of the Senate and the Jedi Council, which eventually leads to his fall. Big facts. Then Nick Villardi says, we've gotten a lot of Star Wars training montages to show young Jedi learning their skills, but in practice makes perfect. It really drove home that even for Jedi, it's not enough to just be born special. You have to really force yourself to persevere through failure. Ahsoka is the perfect character to make that point with, and the connection back to Clone Wars was heartbreaking. Uh, Honorable mention to the Sith Lord episode for making me stan yaddle yaddle stands unite <laughs> all right let's hear these results all right i was right when i said some of us would be right episode four <laughs> the sith lord came in at number one 67 percent hey but all right According to the law of first is the worst, second is the best. <laughs> Episode five, practice <laughs> makes perfect at 29%. Dano is right in that case. All right. And also I have a hairy chest. So. <laughs> um, and coming in at 4%. And number three is choices. Those are the only three episodes that got votes at all. No one for resolve. I figured we'd get at oh, least wow. one there. Interesting. With Padme's funeral, man. Yeah. And it was a good ending to the series. Yeah. Or the season or whatever we want to call this. Hopefully there's more. Agreed. Like you guys were saying, Dano, I think you brought this up. Um, I, I, I'd love to see some Kylo Ren stuff. I'd love to see some Luke between the original trilogy films, between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. There's a lot of stuff that they could do this with and a lot of parallels that they could pull just like they did this. It's wide open. There's plenty of potential, plenty of stuff to play with. Yeah, at the end of it, I feel like ultimately this format worked. I wasn't sure, you know, how this was going to go with the trading off of two different stories, but they picked two good ones that worked well off of each other and had those, like you're saying, the parallels between them leaving the Jedi Order. We could probably do something similar with different Jedi and just keep this thing going every year, year and a half or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just give me more. Give me more Tales of the Jedi, please. I'll take it. We will take it. 
All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Dano, tell the people where they can find you on social media and the internet and stuff. Uh, you can find me on YouTube mostly at the Dano channel. We do a lot of Star Wars reviews, Galaxy's Edge stuff, and watch parties every week. So if you like Star Wars and hanging out late at night when new stuff comes out or when new stuff's not out, we're rewatching uh, The Bad Batch these next couple weeks until the new series starts, new season starts. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at the Dano channel and also Twitter and Hive also at the Dano channel. Whenever that comes back. I think it's back, right? Yeah, whenever Hive comes back. I think it loads now. I don't know if you could post. <laughs> yeah, I've had, it's still in limbo. Uh, I've been checking the news every day. It's, yeah. Nick, how about you? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Nick Bayside. And can you please find me everywhere <laughs> at Nick Bayside? <laughs> every time I get new followers and they're bots, I get so angry. I get, you know, that gif of uh, Arthur with his fist. That's what it looks like when I get new followers, but it's bots. Same shape head. <laughs> Uh, yep, yeah, everywhere on the social medias at Nick Bayside. And uh, like I said last week, new Bayside songs are out now. There's actually a even newer Bayside song coming out sooner than you think. Okay. And also Bayside is going on tour next year, next February on the Just Like Home Tour. Please buy tickets. My social media stuff is all at Adam the Skull, including Hive. If you want more from the Thank the Maker Network, we also have Armor Party Podcast hosted by Mike Forrester, who you should know if you've listened to this podcast at all before this, Princess and Scoundrel. Uh, that's with our friends Sarah and Steven. That's all about Disney Park going, including a lot of Galaxy's Edge and the Galactic Star Cruiser. Mosh Eisley is our event that we throw um, as frequently as possible, including a date that is out by now. By the time of this podcast release, you will know that July 21st, 2023, we will be having an event. Go to at Mosh Lysley on anything to figure out exactly where that's happening. ThankTheMakerMerch.com is where you can get merch, including Mosh Lysley merch. And if you want to support this podcast, get access to our Discord server, get exclusive content, and listen to us record and watch us record live. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. It is literally the only way that we can do this thing. It pays my little bitty bills. Please and thank you. Let's wrap this up with a quote. Nick, you have one from this series that you love, correct? It is correct. You are correct, I should say. Correct. Adam, you are correct. To me, the most impactful quote was in episode one, and it comes from Ahsoka's mother, Pav T, when she says, you must face death, Ahsoka. Do not fear it. That's harsh, but that's, that's just real life, to quote my own band. <laughs> Dudes, thank you so much for being here. Dano, thanks for hanging out with us on shortish notice. Yeah, of course. This is the, this is the first time you've ever been just like a regular guest on or a regular um, co-host for a regular thing, right? Yeah. yeah, I think the other times were a post-Mosh Eisley and then a pre-Star Cruiser. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was great to have you. Thank you. Listeners, thanks for listening. Patrons, thanks for being patrons. And until next time, may the Force be with you. Yeah.